welcome everybody to a shot of business central and a beers uh holiday special i guess maybe i should probably refer to it as a shot of business central and a glass of wine um but more on that later uh, on today's show we have a, a a very special guest uh who is from triangle package machinery company your single source for packaging equipment <laughs> welcome mr jim geo to the show how are you great thanks for having me today Great. Or should we say, welcome back to the show, our first ever repeat uh, guest on the show. Happy to have you here and an honor. Of, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, so, oh, I didn't realize. I guess you are the first repeat guest. Right? Yeah. I didn't think about it. Yeah. yeah. Nice. And, a, and a, in honor of Jim and his, uh, his drink of choice, uh, we're enjoying a fine bottle of wine today. Uh, so we are we are off the rails. Michael and I are out of our league. Yes. Uh, we are over our skis, whatever you want to say. Um, but but so far we are enjoying. We got a, a, a nice bottle here, a nickel and nickel Cabernet, um, which uh, and like I said, we've we've just been kind of getting set up here, and Jim is telling us uh, how much we don't know yeah. uh, about wine. So welcome, Jim. Well, Glad to have you back. Thank you. Well, that's quite the intro, but thank you very much, and thanks for having me again. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I think it's important to stress how little we know about wine and, you know, how yeah. much, I guess, Jim knows compared to us, so. <laughs> and I know very little compared to most, so. <laughs> but you've had, the, you've actually had this nickel nickel before, right? Yes, a very good friend of mine introduced me to it years ago, and uh, it's been a very fun ride ever since then because it's a phenomenal bottle, and then every time I think I've peaked, he says, oh, there's another bottle I want you to try, and it just <laughs> keeps moving the bar up for yeah, me, so. You, you so eventually, this isn't going to be a good bottle of wine. It'll always right? be a good bottle. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so for those of you maybe that know even less than well than me, there's two types of wine, really, right? There's white and red. Yes. But within red, right, this is a Cabernet. And Cabernet would be one of the, I guess, heavier is the, would be the term. It's one of the varietals, yeah. Uh, reds Great. versus a Merlot or Pinot Noir, yes. right, or one of those, yeah. I have to say, I'm used to wine. My uncle Sam makes wine, and uh, when he brings over wine, it always has peaches in it. And I guess I never actually asked why. I'm assuming it's just because it's so strong and whatever that this maybe takes out the mm -hmm. the bitterness or whatever. Like a sweet wine? Yeah. Regardless of whether it's red or white, it always has peaches in it. So that's what I'm used to. So this is a lot different than, <laughs> than anything else. It does else. sound homemade. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Homemade. Yeah. No, this is, this is delicious. Um, so... Yeah, so uh, good to have Jim here again. Michael mentioned from from Triangle Package Machinery. So uh, I was kind of just doing a little research. So making right, making a company designs and and delivers and and maintains packaging machines. Uh, anything from I'm seeing some of the new stuff like uh, liquid uh, products to dry fill products, like a uh, big big uh, story about dry milk. Right. Uh, companies that are putting dry milk into bags and providing that to food banks. Yeah. Um, right. Been, Article on that. Been around for how long? Uh, 97 years. 97 years. Yeah. Chicago land so area. Yes. All time. Absolutely amazing. Family owned third generation business. Yes. Uh, family still actively uh, works in the company every day. Uh, take a lot of pride in what they do and they know that there's a value to our customers with that involvement yeah. and with uh, that personal care that they put into this. So it's just still rare though. Oh, 97 yeah. years, three generations. I mean, you hear about it every now and then, but 
it, it's very rare and it, especially to be in the same sort of area. It, yeah, it me, is, especially because, I mean, you have to you, you have to be you have to be able to do something and do it well, but then you also have to adapt. Right. I mean, like, you know, we we had customers literally I mean, they were like typewriter supply distributors. Right. right? They're gone. Right. Um, they just kept distributing typewriter supplies until no one was calling them anymore. So same thing, I'm sure, in technology, right? There's probably, if you look at a packaging machine that was put together even 20 years ago, compared to the technology that's probably there today, right? And the efficiency and, and speed of it, you know, R&D is, is probably a big part of the business. That's a huge part of our business. And that's, we, having to constantly evolve is what keeps us relevant and changing uh, with our customers ever-changing needs really uh, is a challenge, but it's something that I think uh, having that uh, having that involvement from the ownership um, and making sure that we stay current and having those personal relationships with the companies that we have them yeah. with keeps us relevant um, and keeps us moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. So some of the top. So today, so we're, Jim's going to be with us throughout the throughout the show today. Uh, we're going to uh, kick it off next with a, our shot of Business Central. Uh, then after that, we're going to spend some time talking to Jim uh, about Triangle. And specifically, we're going to talk kind of center around probably two or three topics. Um, uh, one is the use of Business Central jobs and manufacturing, which is kind of a, a, a combination there of how, how can these work? How do these work together for an engineering to order type firm? Uh, number second, we're going to talk about Business Central Online versus Business Central On-Premise. And Jim is going to share with us some of his thoughts and ideas about, um, you know, their plans or maybe no plans. I don't know uh, to, to go, uh, you know, to the online version. And then lastly, we're going to talk just a little bit about the supply chain, uh, how that may be impacting Triangle's business, and then what things maybe they've been doing inside Business Central uh, to help minimize uh, the impact of any supply chain disruptions. So, and then, uh, so that, that'll that wrap that up with Jim and then we're gonna close it out. Uh, Michael has recently written a really nice blog article on yeah. the Business Central online service uh, and scalability in terms of talking about big companies versus small companies running Business Central and how does Microsoft manage that? Right, yeah, the different got, resources. We've got some numbers for you, so. Yeah, so stay tuned. Uh, we got a lot of uh, good information coming your way. Time for the shot segment of a shot at Business Central on a beer. And uh, we've got some news for you today. I'm not gonna say if it's a lot or a little bit of news, but we've got some news for you today. Really? <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had to throw that in there. <laughs> Very, good. Very uh, good. Ken's going to start out with talking about the BC update 19.1. Yeah, let's let's actually start at 19.0, right? Uh, 2021 wave two, uh, right? Scheduled to be released in October. Uh, actually started rolling out mm, probably mid-November-ish. Yeah. So it was a little bit late uh, rolling out. Um, and uh, now version 19.1 is also out. So if your environment uh, was updated successfully to 19.0, you actually by now are probably running 19.1. Uh, 
and uh, which is which uh, you know 19.1. There's a, uh, several fixes, so there's 14 platform fixes, 88 application fixes, and actually five U.S. localization fixes uh, included in there, uh, including I believe one may, maybe 1099 related. Um, so there's definitely some updates in there, and also uh, there are feature updates included. Which is surprising. Yeah, right. Because after a major release, you would think that the yep. next uh, monthly update would just be fixes and. and yeah, whatnot. although usually, you know, if you look at the release notes for like 2021 Wave Two, you know, coming out in October, uh, you will see that there are actually certain features that are scheduled to be released over the next six months. Gotcha. Right. So it's every feature that's coming out with those major releases is not necessarily deployed that month. Um, so, so there are a few. So, for example, uh, in in the 19.1, uh, the new feature to copy environments of different types is included. So, in the admin center, you can copy uh, one production environment to another production environment, or a sandbox to another sandbox, or a sandbox to production. Right, that's Bef huge. Before you could only do, I think, a production to a sandbox. Right? That's, that's becoming more and more, uh, more and more of a need with all the different apps and everything and having to test before major releases. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. There's some operations log enhancements where they're doing some better job of logging activities in the system. There's a new tool in the admin center that now allows you to restart uh, environments. So if something happens and you just want to restart your VC, one of your environments, there's actually a tool now in the admin center to allow you to do that. Uh, now there's support for 2D barcode printing. So there's a couple new fonts uh, that are included in the service uh, that allows you to do 2D barcode printing. Uh, previously, nice. you would need an app right, to do that. And then kind of a cool little neat, I think needed little feature is uh, that the shipping agent information from the sales orders things you know so you're you're like is this ups ground or mm -hmm. fedex next day right so the shipping agent and shipping agent service fields are copied from the sales orders to the warehouse shipment records uh, and this is meaningful because a lot of times that warehouse shipment document gets printed in the warehouse and they need to know how is this going to get shipped because that's going to change how they actually pick it and prepare it for shipment uh, to go out the door. Uh, so that that's something that that's new in there uh, as well. And then there's a couple, you know, good to know things out there as part of 19.1. Uh, just as a reminder, there's a there was a, a business central launch event on on all these new features and functionality that's available out there now. There's 15 sessions that talk about all these new features that are coming out. Uh, as well as also over a hundred business central customer stories that they've published oh, really? uh, out on uh, on the Microsoft site. Yeah, so kind of some reference stories of companies are maybe they're looking at business central and they're interested in it. They want to see what other companies are doing with it. Nice. Um, there's over a hundred customer stories that they that they've put out there. So quite a bit uh, for a for 19 a 19.1 update. Yeah, yeah, definitely quite a bit. Uh, I've got some other little random news pieces. So did you know that if you're using Business Central uh, Cloud, I guess, and you're in, the, you're in the web browser, in the web browser, you can actually install the app now just from uh, clicking the install app option on the on the URL part. Ah, so that's that. something new. 
Also, there is now over 2,000 Business Central apps on App Source. So round hey, of applause. 2,000. 2,000, big mark, yeah. Uh, January's update will include a new email address lookup feature. Everybody's going to love that. Uh, what I'll do with that is I actually have a video of it. I will link to that in the show notes. Uh, in preview right now, Business Central now has documentation on AL error and warnings uh, and links directly to that from the AL compiler messages. This is all uh, Greek to me, as they say, <laughs> that part. Um, <clears throat> let's see what else. You can find all Business Central and Power BI integration documentation in one place. We'll include the link in the show notes. And last but definitely not least, there are some new telemetry items coming in the 2022 release wave one update. You'll be able to see database deadlocks, database weight statistics, um, general error dialogues, permission error dialogues, and use of read scale out in web service calls. So I think we blasted through that pretty fast. Kind of kind of keep Jim awake. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Last last thing I just wanted to mention is just really just a reminder. Uh, last month we talked about some changes that are coming up for BC Online for 2020 and 2022 regarding the contract and the monthly payments for Business Central subscriptions. Right. So I don't want to get too much in the weeds, but uh, if you want to continue with the flexibility to go month to month uh, on your payments, uh, expect a price increase yep. on the subscription fee. Otherwise, you can go into a, to agree to an annual term uh, to lock in the current prices. Yep. It's all part of the new commerce experience. All right. What are we talking about next? We're going to be talking more with Mr. Jim Geo, right? Yes, sir. All right, everybody. Stick around. All right, we're back here and we're lucky to have uh, Mr. Jim Geo back in the office with us uh, once again. Last time Jim was here was two years ago for our first and only holiday podcast. And as Jim brought up, he was our first guest on a shot of Business Central on a beer. So uh, welcome back, Jim. Thank you. Um, you're welcome. You know, for the for the listeners who, who didn't listen to the first episode a couple years ago, can you maybe tell us a little bit about who you are again and, and, and you know, the company that you work for? Of course. So, um, obviously, my name is Jim Geo. Um, I've been in the uh, technology industry for over 25 years. Um, I've been at my current company for about six years. And uh, I've been working with SSI for, God, over 10. Um, so, uh, the company that I work at right now uh, is Triangle Package Machinery Company. We've been around for uh, over 95 years, plus 97 years making uh, packaging machines, uh, primarily in the uh, food service industry. Uh, it's a um, family-run company uh, here in Chicago. We've been here the whole time. And I came on board with them about six years ago uh, with uh, the goal of implementing a new ERP system. Uh, and as Ken can tell you, uh, NAV was not even on their radar as the solution that they were picking. They had picked out a few other solutions. And when I came on board and uh, was meeting with them, I had said, you know, have you guys ever looked at this particular product? Uh, no one had ever heard of uh, at the time NAV, now Business Central. And they were like, no, but they were actually going to use it as just a comparison tool to prove that the ERP system they were going with was the right choice. Uh, and after 
looking at NAV after Ken um, had uh, done this demonstration and really just sort of working uh, through the demos and everything like that, it became clear that NAV wasn't really the option, you know, just to prove that our other system was right. It actually buried the other system and <laughs> became the clear choice of which one to go with. So uh, it's a testament to the program, but also, you know, our relationship with uh, SSI and just, you know, how uh, working with you guys was good for a company like ours. Yeah, you can't really uh, beat NAV and Business Central, right? Yeah. So, yeah. and you know, you do your, your uh, I think your, what is your official title? Director of Information Technology? Director of uh, Management Information Systems. Management Information, yeah. Hmm. So what do you think about all the, the ransomware going around in this world? It's, it's very scary. Um, you know, I don't think that there's, you know, any end to it in sight, but I think there's a lot of things that you can do to prevent it. Yeah. Um, simple little Microsoft things like Microsoft, or like multi-factor authentication. Yeah. Very simple thing that you can do to protect yourself. Yeah, it's definitely scary. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so tell us a little bit about, so the, the, the different, I guess, um, you know, pieces of the business. So how, what, what drives the revenue or the sales? What are the different components of sales and things that you're doing for your customers? So I think we would actually be divided up into uh, three core sections. We have our new machine sales, uh, we have our service, which would be the servicing of the machines that we've sold. And then we have our uh, aftermarket parts and accessories. So you have an existing machine of ours, you want to retrofit uh, you know, different parts onto it or modernize it to do these uh, uh, new requirements. So we have the capability of doing that. So those are the three core uh, areas of our business. Um, and then we utilize uh, NAV in those ways. Um, you know, we have jobs for that, which is something I think we're going to be diving into yep. to manage the project management of those. You know, prior to having uh, Business Central in the building, we really uh, didn't know how a lot of that was being tracked. Uh, we knew the cost of production, but we didn't actually know a lot of the administrative costs that went behind the scenes. You know, the research and development costs, the engineering costs, just the general project management costs. And we had the production orders to tell us what it cost us to make it. We had the purchase orders to tell us what we paid for components that we had purchased and, you know, subcontracted uh, work that we had done. But we really didn't know what that administrative cost was. And now Jobs has really been able to identify that for us. And for a company like ours, that's really how we're going to move into the future is understanding those costs and understanding that, you know, what what do we need to do? What Who do we need to bring on to look at these different areas and put more resources in R&D or put more resources in, you know, project management to right. keep these things moving forward? Yeah, and I think that's, so to kind of circle back to a couple of things you just said, which was, right, you've got these different lines of business. One is you're, you're, you're building these relatively complex machines that can take months to build. Yes. You're distributing replacement parts mm -hmm. or supply, or, right? Maybe some small parts for existing customers. You're also having to do service, yes. on-site service or repair or maintenance, right? And and um, a lot of times, like you know, we see we hear our, our clients tell us that well, this system was really good at this, this system is really good at that. Mm -hmm. But I think Business Central has components, right, and in the ability to handle all those things. And you're actually using multiple of them together. Yeah. So like a customer 
right? For a new places, a new order for three new packaging machines. Mm -hmm. That is a job, yes. right? And you have to do engineering, yes. uh, right? An engineer to order uh, or right to ETO type model. Exactly. You've got to do a bunch of engineering for some of the components maybe on these machines. Uh, you've got other internal costs that you may need to track. Mm -hmm. But then you're gonna kick off. You're gonna you're gonna kick off some production orders. Yes. Onto the manufacturing shop floor, um, and do your traditional manufacturing. I'm using air quotes. Of course. Uh, traditional manufacturing type operations, right? And um, those pieces kind of work together right, to create that solution. Exactly. And I think one of the things that most companies like mine look at is just that production cost because that's really what they view as like the the tangible costs. It's like okay, what did, you know, how many did we make? What were the labor hours involved with it? And you don't really, you sort of look at the office staff, you know, your engineers and people like that as just part of your overhead. And really it does go into the cost of that machine uh, and what future revenue you can, can realize off of it. So I think that uh, having that uh, visibility is, is a yeah. huge factor for us. Um, and it's, it's something that I don't think we were mindful of previously, and I think now um, it, it's definitely a hot topic for us. You yeah. know the benefit. Yes. So a question that can actually, how common is it for companies to actually use, let's say, jobs and manufacturing together? Is that, is that common? Yeah, it is. In, in this engineer-to-order model where you're building a machine, let's say, right, or some sort of device uh, that's going to be tailored for a, a client, it's it's actually real pretty common, right? Yeah, because you're because and, and and part of it has to do not just with the operational side of the business, uh, but it's it's the sales side too. So me, meaning, right? I get a customer; they want this this machine, but they want me to do this customization to it and add this custom component or whatever to it, right? Well, um, I'm not going to explicitly break down a price for all these different things I'm going to do it I'm going to do I'm just going to tell them look I'm going to charge you $250,000 for this and that's going to include everything we just talked about here and I'm going to charge you today I'm I'm going to send you an invoice for $100,000 as a deposit and you're going to pay that invoice um but I can't recognize revenue yet right so I need to track that as like deferred revenue um, so, so that's where jobs comes into play. The fact that, so it has to do also not just with the operational side, but your billing and your revenue recognition and cost recognition and how that flows to your financials. So that's really important, um, in the, in the, for these types of models, um, so because they cross over multiple months, right? Okay. It's not like I'm going to take a job and it's going to be over in three days. Right. You don't need really jobs in that case because it's all typically happening in one period. But when you're building a, a half a million dollar machine or whatever it is, right, with with all this custom engineering work, that's going to take maybe three months or six months or, right? No. And to Ken's point, so one of the things that we actually use jobs for at the end of every project is to do a cost of goods sold review. So we'll go through the project as a whole. Um, so it's multi-machine, single or multi. You'll go through and you'll look through all of those costs. and. These, this is data that we did not have previously, and you uh, just the amount of information that you can glean out of that is just so valuable to the company. Um, it also lets you know for future projects, like 
was this a worthwhile project to do? Because you start to look at it and say, okay, here's the unknowns that we went into this project with, and here's the amount of engineering that took to do that particular project. Is it worth it for us and the customer to go forward on a project like this? So it's information you didn't have previously uh, that really is invaluable when you when you think about it um, in maintaining your business. So those COGS meetings that we do at the end of every uh, uh, sales wrap, or I'm sorry, order wrap up, really uh, give us that uh, that view of that. And jobs module definitely gives us that visibility that we'd never had before. Uh, That's so interesting to hear you say that because one of the things that we that companies tend to struggle with is is that closeout, mm-hmm. that wrap up. And, and it's not, they just don't do it, it seems. And, and now that I hear you say that, it's because you didn't have the data before. You, right? There, there was nothing to really analyze because you didn't really have anything to track. But now I think that is important at the end. All right, hey, we're done with this. Let's, let's have some sort of a recap at the end and see what we did. But you just made me realize why that isn't typically a standard part of their process it's because they just never had the information to do it it was there was really nothing to review right and now you have this wealth and that's really if you take you know business central as a whole whether it's the jazz module whether it's you know the manufacturing all of it together it's for a company like mine it's information we never had before we didn't know what we didn't know and now you're taking that information about your manufacturing. You're taking that information about your administrative costs and all of those things, and you're tying it all up. And now mm-hmm. we're letting our, our financial team take that information and audit it like they should be doing and giving us value-added information out of it. So I think that's really where Business Central shines in all aspects of it. And I think the jobs module really brings it all full circle because like I said before, everyone focuses on the manufacturing and it's very easy things to do. How much did it cost us to make it? How much did it cost me to buy it? We didn't know how much it cost me to design it though, or to manage this project or to redesign it. Or you know what, we had these two components already that we designed, but they never went together. So now what is it gonna cost me to to engineer those two pieces together to make this new request? So that's really where I think Business Central as a whole with all of these uh, different components that it has to it can be a very uh, invaluable tool for what you're trying to do and understand what you're doing in business. So I bet once you guys had all that information available to you when you switched over to NAV or, or whatnot, mm-hmm. there, it might have been a little bit nerve wracking, right? Because you're seeing the good and the bad then at that point, right? Oh, yeah. I but mean, in the long term, it's good because you can fix the bad. But I... One of the very funny things is uh, when we first started uh, the implementation, I one of the things I had stressed to everybody is we're going to uncover a lot of our dirty secrets that we didn't even know about ourselves. Right. There's things that we just didn't even realize, and it's going to be scary, but you just need to own it. We've just got to fix yeah, this. Exactly. And you don't know what you don't know. Right. And that's one of the good things about uh, Business Central is that it's going to tell you what you didn't know about yourself. And I think that it's a very scary realization because you walk into it thinking you're an expert. I know everything about us. <laughs> and Business Central lets you really, you know, when you any any ERP system that's properly implemented and that you're using properly is going to let you know you didn't know as much as yeah. you thought you knew. Grounds you. Yeah, exactly. it's, it's very humbling, I think. And we've had instances where it's like, hey, look, with jobs, we can now budget engineering 
hours and track actual engineering hours. And, and sometimes the engineering manager is in the room and goes, yeah, we're not going to do that to start. <laughs> maybe maybe phase two, you know, we'll get to that. <laughs> like, <laughs> Does okay, anybody I, know? I think I understand <laughs> yeah. what's happening here. Yeah, so that's interesting. So um, so yeah, so now you've got you've got these long, right? You're 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 manufacturing internally a lot of components okay. that are being used to produce these machines. So some raw materials and then probably some purchased parts uh, as well that go into there. Obviously, in the last year uh, in the U.S. and I think worldwide, there have been supply chain disruptions. Um, has that impacted your business? And if so, how have you maybe used Business Central to help uh, minimize those? So as everybody that's you know living in the world right now, we are dealing with that. Um, business Central has been a very valuable tool. Um, it unfortunately doesn't unpack cargo ships or ship things uh, it's something that you know i think not yet in the yeah, future say if you can get a module that does that i'd really appreciate it uh but what it has helped us uh as a company do is identify um, our inventory turns and what components we actually need and what our higher volume items are that have more frequent inventory turns so that we should have them in stock so what we've been able to do is um use that data um and look at okay here's what we have in the pipeline here's what we our average consumption is you know what because there's longer lead times on these things we should place larger orders now for them so that we could better service our customers so okay. we're trying to get in front of it um and instead of doing just a blind order everything we have this on the shelves right now just get a ton of it that's not really a good use of our resources right. or our uh or our funding. So really what we decided to do is utilize uh, uh, Business Central to say, okay, these are your high turnover items, these are longer lead time items, um, identify the ones that we can't get from multiple locations, and then really make an informed decision on, okay, we should order a lot of this or, you know, more than we usually order, just so that we have that in stock so that our, we can better service our customers. Uh, because it's not only the manufacturing of the machine, because um, really it's easy to look at, oh, we're going to sell this many next year. We should have this many in stock. It's that information that we've been able to get out of uh, Business Central that tells us, okay, but you consume about this many for service orders. You consume about this many for aftermarket orders. Mm. Those are things that sort of get lost because those are, I'm not going to say they're impulsive sales because they're not impulsive sales, but a, a machine when you're buying a, you know, very expensive bagging machine or you know any of our larger machines it's something that you've planned for this is a you know capital expense that you've forecast you know with the pandemic and other things like that there were retooling that needed to happen on some machines people didn't plan for that so this was something that was more reactionary so we needed to make sure that we you know looked at that data and okay over the last five years looking at those types of sales, what types of components do we need to have in stock? What parts do I need? Um, so that's really been information that we just didn't have previously. Uh, and, it, and it's helped us a lot in doing that. So like I said, it's real easy to say buy a ton of everything, but that's not a good use of capital it's, or, <laughs> or space at all. And this has given us the tools to make informed decisions. Yeah, and then I think in Business Central, I'm, you know, I guess there's probably it's a combination of three things, right? That 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 you're doing. One is 
you have this data sitting in Business Central, mm -hmm. right? That's there. Sales, consumption, all these inventory ledger entries uh, sitting there, um, combined with a few custom uh, reports yep. or or processes to go recalculate lead times and do a couple things for you, and then Power BI yes. or or other reports, right? To kind of now view that data and analyze it. Yes. Right? So that's one of the things that I really. Um, can't stress enough is that the value of the data that's in there, but data is only valuable if you're looking at it. So one of the things you know we've done is we you know we've added in um, data analysts to the group um, that their job is to just extract this data and give it to the people you know and so that so that it can be audited. Uh, looking at that, you know, using Power BI, using uh, Jet Reports, uh, using just some of the inherent reports to NAV or Business Central. I'm sorry, um, the name <laughs> not the first it. time. Yeah, it it it. <laughs> so it's it's really what you know. There's a value to that data, but it's only valuable if you're actually looking at the data. So. I think uh, getting, you know, as a director of, you know, measure information systems, my job is to manage the, you know, the, the distribution of information. And it's not just all that I can keep the computers running and that it's information, whether it's, you know, how, how that information is being transferred to people. So whether it's via computer, whether it's via, you know, paper document, I just need to get information into your hands and it needs to be good. So really, you know, that's, what you know i view my function as is being the caretaker of that information and delivering it to people in, in an effective way so having those business analysts you know and people doing those reports getting it to those people that can audit that is, is very valuable to any company and i think that's something that may get overlooked at times i mean you're looking at the erp is this it's supposed to you know do everything you know provide world peace and everything it's just <laughs> you, you need to work with it yeah. it needs Somebody's to be you know, it's a tool yeah that you either know how to use or you don't know how to use it exactly. like i could have a hammer in my hand and i could either build a house or i could smash myself in the toe yeah exactly right now you guys mentioned you're using power bi uh, do you like it we love it a lot i mean it's, it's very uh, familiar to a lot of people and i think that's just one of the great things about microsoft in general is the familiarity of their products um you know, for I love when I hear this statement. Power BI just looks like an Excel, you know, looks looks like an Excel pivot table. Great. I am <laughs> glad you think that because now I know you're gonna use it because you're familiar with it. You're not intimidated by it. Um the beauty of my Microsoft products, yeah. they kind of look alike. You know, I prefer Jet Reports. I think I can do a little bit more with it, but it's a little more intimidating for people to go into that. But Power mm -hmm. BI, uh, a lot of uh uh, my end users really respond well to it. it. It's very graphically, you know, appealing and it's yeah, it's, it's a high level overview. It's what I need right now. Exactly. High level overview based on keywords. I love it. Uh, I don't think we even we've mentioned whether or not you're using. Uh, do you got more to talk about the manufacturing and jobs or no or supply chain or anything? So I don't think we've mentioned whether you're using on premise or, or cloud software over there at Triangle. So I am using on prem and a private cloud. Um, wow. So sort of a hybrid. Hybrid. Yeah. yeah. Um, and. Well, there's a reason for it. Business just to clarify, right? Business central on premise. Yes. Meaning hosting. you're hosting it yourself yeah. and you have full control over the environment. Everything. Yes. It happens to be on a private cloud. Yeah. Yes. 
So the reason for that um, is, well, there's a lot of reasons for it. So one of the things I'd mentioned is I came into a company that we really were coming out of a system that was not a true ERP system. Uh, and if you want to know more about that, go to my original podcast and you can hear all kinds <laughs> of great stuff about it. Uh, but the idea was uh, the scalability of it. I like the idea of going into a um, infrastructure as a service type of an environment where I can scale it as I need it. And that's what I do love about infrastructure as a service is it's scalable. Uh, the reason I didn't use uh, the uh, Azure model at the time was I used uh, a previous uh, iteration of it with SAS Plaza with Microsoft wasn't exactly my favorite flavor of it. Uh, and the reason for that was it didn't allow for uh, as much customization as I was gonna need. Now, that being said, I really don't want to heavily customize a very good system. You know, NAV uh, slash BC is a very good system. It's using a lot of industry standard practices. The problem is you're coming into, you know, as I mentioned, you know, at the time, you know, 90 something year old company, you know, at the time, I think 93 year old. Mm -hmm. We've been doing it this way. So trying to just basically shoehorn everything that they've been doing for 93 years into this very rigid format is just not going to work. I mean, and that's a, that's a recipe for failure is to just completely change everything that everybody's doing and just stop dead. Now we're, this is the new way we're going to do it. And I think that's why a lot of sometimes ERP uh, implementations fail. It's you're not considering that change management. So going into a hosted environment seemed very rigid to me, whereas I can move into, if I were to have an on-premise license, I can customize it. And while I may not have agreed with all the customizations, I knew that they were stopgap solutions to assist us in getting everybody into the system. Okay, now that I've got you acclimated into to Business Central and NAV and you're understanding it. Okay, so now let's start pulling that, that out and let's start to get us into more of the business standard uh, way of doing things. And, um, you know, five years into this implementation, I was, you know, telling Ken earlier today, you know, that we're going to be looking at doing another upgrade. And in that upgrade, we're going to be looking at, you know, potentially going with more of a hosted solution or going with more what I would call standard out of the box business central, because we've come a long way. Um, you know, if you look at it like this, it's like, you know, you showed a caveman fire, then all of a sudden you're showing them a light bulb. It's just, that's a big jump. I mean, we just, Business Central was fire to us. You know, that was something very scary and new and it's a great tool and it lights things up, but yeah, that's scary to look at. And I think now we're at the point where it's like, okay, you know, I want LED lights everywhere. And I think that's what this latest um, evolution for us is. Uh, so I see the value of both on-prem and uh, the hosted model, I see I see both, you know, I love cloud in general. Um, like I said, we're using a private cloud, uh, which is just us hosting with another company. It's not actually an on-premise server. It's it's our license, but hosted someplace else. But down the road, could I see us getting into a, uh, a SaaS model? Of course, I, I see that as a natural evolution of what we're doing. Uh, I think that's what a goal of ours should be is to start operating as a uh, you know with with uh, the standard uh, form of nav or business central and one of the funny things i would tell people is when they would when we were doing the implementation and they would fight me really hard on it why doesn't the system do this and i would look at them and go you know 
Microsoft's a pretty big company. You know, they've been around for a couple of days now. <laughs> if they're looking at their ERP system and they're not doing it, should we be doing it? Yeah. Like there's, are sense. we really smarter than the, and it's sort of a humbling moment that you have to bring people to that. And it's like, we don't know as much as we think we know, we just, cause we did it this way and it, we quote unquote worked. I mean, it's right. Correct. Yeah. So, but I think also if you want to make an, an ERP implementation fail, I think change everybody's world the minute you put something like this in. So I think it's, you have to do it in an, as a, as a staged approach. And I, you know, um, I had told everybody when we first brought Business Central in that it's gonna, I want it to be sort of a non-event when we do phase one. I, I wanna replicate, you know, what we're doing in our current system. I wanna definitely get rid of a lot of the bad things, but I don't wanna change your whole world. I need you to get used to these new screens. I need you to understand it. And I need you to understand the system. Right. Phase two is when we're gonna actually start to realize the benefit of this system. And I think, you know, Ken, uh, you've probably seen the, you probably hear from me a lot less than you hear from my end users now. Like, I think they're calling you up with more questions and they're calling you up with more modifications and uh, uh, requests yeah. of the system. Yeah, not, e not even necessarily uh, <laughs> modifications, but um, they're, they, they were crawling and, and now they're walking mm -hmm. and they want to run. Right. So it's like, how do I, hey, I want to start running now. How do I do this? And uh, I would use the example um, of job. Let's go back to jobs, which sure. we were talking about, right? When 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 we initially deployed it, the job structure, meaning the number of tasks that were there, mm -hmm. uh, or the planning lines that were created, were relatively simple. Right. You know, let's just do a bulk entry for the total amount of engineering. Well, now it's like. How can we do a better job of tracking the actuals versus the budget? We want to break that down with, you know, electrical versus mechanical engineering and budget those separately. How, how do we do that? Well, we build more tasks right. and we budget now at that level and we start tracking that level of information. So it's not always uh, customization. It's, it's, hey, what can we, how can we change our setup or what can we do to improve the, you know, the, the use of this module? And goes back to the point of the value of the data. So now you start looking at that data and you started saying, well, wait a minute now. Something that I didn't think was valuable, now it's missing things. I need more data out of it. So now you've actually just increased the value of what I'm able to capture. Now they're asking you for, okay, can we, you know, how do I capture this? You know, when I think customizations, it's not so much changing the way it's doing things. It's can I add this field in because I want to be able to get this data out of there now and I want to start tracking this. Uh, you know, one of the things I just uh, spoke to uh, Simeon about today was I need to add a date stamp or a timestamp. And right now I'm only getting date stamps on certain transactions. I need timestamps with it as well. So, I mean, these are things that it's like, okay, we have it. We didn't even know we needed it. Now we're using it. It's like, wait a minute, this is great. I need more. Taking it to that next level. And that's what I love. And the other part that I love is, and what I was going to is that you're hearing from, you know, the the users which is really what is the most important to me is because I want to be the caretaker of the system. And I mentioned that as, you know, my job is I'm the caretaker of the information, the caretaker of the system. And that's really where my function is. But the users need to own it. The fact that they're calling you up, the fact that they're trying to evolve it and get more data out of it. That's really where the win in the win comes in for me is that they're owning this. They feel a ownership of the system. And 
that's what's going to move this whole thing forward is them owning it. Because if it's an IT solution, I'm going to be very rigid about it and it's going to be very logical. Yeah. And it's an illogical world. Curious to know, excuse me, you said you're a lover of cloud and as the caretaker of the system, does, would eventually moving to a SaaS based model scare you from like a security standpoint or no? Because you, I guess you don't have as much control. You don't have as much control, but I think there's, you know, things that you can put in place. Uh, well, first of all, I look at it like this. I mean, here, I, I do as much as I can to prevent it. And, you know, if someone's really going to like do an organized attack, I mean, they can get into, you know, every one of them has been hacked, you know, whether it's Microsoft, whether it's right. Amazon, whether it's Sony, they've been hacked. They have more money than I do, but they also have people that are sitting there 24 seven and there's teams of people watching it. So there's a more concerted effort to get into them. You know, we, you know, have put a lot of money into our security. So, you know, do I think that I'm any more protected by not being? No, I'm not under that delusion that if I put it, you know, I mean, that's like saying that my money's safer in a mattress, you know, in a, in a shoebox under my mattress than it is in a bank. Well, <laughs> okay, I guess, but it's not a realistic way of looking at it. I mean... You know, I, I think that's the that's the difference is to me, that's keeping it on premises, that shoebox in the mat under the mattress. So, you know, I mean, I'm Thanks hoping that most of the people that are listening to this have a bank account. I would imagine so. I, you know, then there <laughs> we go. So it's it's a very similar concept. Our target market's got it. Yeah. <laughs> most of them. Yeah. Hopefully. And that's how I, I view the that's how I view SAS versus, you know, on prom. Right. But, you know, once again, you it, you have to crawl before you walk. Definitely and I think true. it's just introducing um, that into our environment more slowly and getting us into a more standard operating, you know, uh, environment and getting us out of our bad habits. And, you know, I, I love that our uh, leadership has a very um, defined plan of using business central in its standard format how do you know i hear this comment all the time and i you know it makes uh, me smile when i hear this is what does out of the box business central work like i'm glad you asked that let's <laughs> get there and i think that's really where we want to be as a company and i think you know it's an evolution to get there so yeah. i think that starting off as a as a on-prem is definitely you know that crawling stage i think you know running marathons is when we get to into a uh, fully hosted SaaS model that's gotcha. all right well thank you for uh spending some time with us and sharing your insights uh, with the yeah. listeners we definitely appreciate it thanks for teaching us a little bit more about wine than what we knew well thank you thanks for uh Thanks for having me today. I love it. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. Hopefully we'll be back next year for the uh year edition. All right. Definitely. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about uh, scalability with Business Central. Is it really for big businesses? So stick around. All right. For our feature segment today, we're actually going to be talking about the Business Central online service uh, that Microsoft hosts, right? That that hosts the Business Central environments out there. 
And specifically, we're going to be talking about, um, you know, the question, answering the question, can a big business use Business Central? And I'm glad Jim Geo is here with us today to, uh, you know, maybe contribute to this segment because we're going to get into some some technical weeds uh, as we get into some of these numbers here. But I think our goal, and I'm going to let Michael dive into some of the details here in a minute. But I think our goal for this session is going to be to define, you know, you know, who is Business Central for, uh, and when they say small business or mid-sized business or large business you know, what What are they referring to? And then also talk about how does Microsoft scale Business Central for the larger organizations uh, that are running on the service? Right, so basically since Business Central's released, there's always been questions of whether or not it can handle or work for a big business. And as we talked about before, I, I kind of hate when people bring this up because, you know, what are the rules for a big business or a small business, right? So if I ask you, Jim, what, what would you say revenue-wise is a, a, a medium-sized business? You know, I think anything under, you know, 500 million is probably a medium-sized business. All right. And Ken, what would you say? Uh, yeah, it could be anywhere. Someone could say 50 million to a billion, or you could say 500 million to 2 billion. Right. Uh -huh. Now, to me, 500 million is a big business. So to me, it's a large business. That's why I hate this question because it's relative to the person. Right. You know, it's all semantics. Why are we even talking about it like that way? And I think Microsoft might have that same uh, same sort of uh, set of mind or mind mind frame or whatnot, because uh, you know, do they have a definition of what a big business is right now? Microsoft actually does not specify exactly what a big business is because when you think about it, there's so many things, right? Number of orders, revenue. How many lines on a sales order? How many people work for your company? There could be so many different things that that define what a big business is that Microsoft doesn't define it. What really matters to Microsoft is how many resources you're using. Mm -hmm. That's all that matters. So if you're a two-person shop using the same amount of resources as somebody who is a 500-person shop, you know, who, you're, you're just as big as they are in, in Microsoft's uh, eyes. Question? Well, no, I think from... <laughs> I think from my point of view, as a purchaser of, a, of an ERP system, I would look at it as more the complexity of the business, not the revenue of it. So I would look at, so how many entities do I have underneath me? Am I building it in this entity and then selling it to this entity? And are they, am I my own supplier on things? It, it's, it's that complexity that I think really defines what's the, your small to medium business versus your enterprise business. because. Really, I mean, revenue is definitely part of this, but I think that's really where your ERP system is going. I think NAV can work, you know, several billion dollars. I think NAV is or Business Central is going to operate just perfectly. But I think mm -hmm. once you start getting into those more intricate business structures, I think that's really what's going to define your small to medium business versus your large business. But right. that, that would change my opinion of what programs I looked at. Mm -hmm. So Microsoft looks at it more so from a data standpoint, yep. right? So what are, did they, have they defined any numbers or benchmarks that said, so, here's what um, Business Central we think can handle without issue? Well, so they haven't defined exactly what a big business is with numbers. What they're saying is, if your business, um, 
hits any of these these numbers, these markers that we're going to talk about here in a second, then you really need to have your partner do a little bit more testing to make sure that your business is going to work smoothly with Business Central. Some of these numbers are first, the amount of records in the table, uh, 1,000 user table records, 800,000 sales invoice header tables, 3,500,000 item ledger entry tables, and or 17 million GL entry tables. Now, they're not saying if, if, if you hit these markers, you're considered a big business. I want to reiterate that. Right. They mean just test and make sure that everything runs smoothly if, if you hit. They're numbers. just saying if you're if you have less than a thousand users, three and a half million item transactions and 17 million GL entries and whatever, then you should be good for the most. Part. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's the first part. So second would be the amount of data that is used. If your company is using 400 gigabytes or more, or 160 gigabytes migrated from an on-premise environment to the cloud using the migration tool. Once again, let your partner do some testing. Do some testing testing. On that. Okay. Third, this one's kind of interesting, browser interactions. So these are things like maybe opening a page, closing a page, opening a new tab, whatever you're doing within your, your actual web browser. If your organization is doing 23 per second or 385,000 in one day, you might be considered a large business, right? In Microsoft size, yeah. which seems like a lot to yeah to me. But if you got twenty three per second across an entire day, right? That that seems harder to do than three hundred eighty five thousand in a day, right? I mean, if you got uh, is 1, that I don't I haven't done the math. Is that one in the same? Pretty much, I, I guess <laughs> it probably is. Yeah. <laughs> Fourth would be uh, web service costs such as API, SOAP, and and OData. So fifty seven hundred in one minute or 2,700,000 in one day. Lastly, transactions. 6,000 sales orders posted in one day or 3,300 lines on one sales order. Seems yeah. like a real those like are, a lot. Those right? are relatively large numbers, right? Yeah. Now, to your point earlier, right, it depends what you're selling on those sales orders, right? I mean, you could be a billion-dollar company who's selling, let's say, uh, a, a, pri a primary ingredient in a pharmaceutical product right. where a one line sales order is a half a million dollars. Yeah. Right. For one one container right. of, a, so of an active be, ingredient. It's going to have a lot. Right? Of it, right? Or you're or you're a distributor selling widgets and you've got, you know, uh, customers ordering hundreds of orders a day with dozens of lines on each mm -hmm. order. Right. Yeah. That yeah. Makes a big difference. Right. And, and you know, it, also, it's Microsoft saying is that Business Central should be able to handle these numbers or they've tested it. It does handle these numbers, but they just want you to be to make sure. So, yeah, so we've got customers I know that we support where they're they're. I would say they clearly fall in the small business category in terms of these numbers with maybe just a dozen orders a day or, yeah. or whatever. Right, um, but certainly we also have customers that that are in the hundreds of, of orders a day, yeah. right? So, how does Microsoft handle that sizing, and how do they do they monitor that and so change the configurations? Yes, yes they monitor it, and, and this is where things might get a little bit uh, complicated. So, you know, when you sign up for Business Central online, uh, an Azure database is created right right from the start. And then within this Azure database, they also create what is called an intelligent load balancer and a compute tier. 
and inside this compute tier, it includes a cluster of five virtual machines. Okay, so a little, little complicated. I, I can't really draw out uh, designs so, or diagrams right now because you're listening, but. Sounds pretty impressive so far. Yeah, so the key to all this though really is the intelligent load balancer, right? That's what really keeps everything running smoothly in, the build, in, in your business. And what the intelligent load balancer does it says that let's say you you have Office 365 and you have Power BI running on one virtual machine, and your virtual machine is at like 60% capacity. The intelligent load balancers is there, so when somebody logs into Business Central, it realizes we're not going to put you in virtual machine one because it's going to go over the capacity load. We're going to move you into virtual machine two. Now the normal person should really not notice this when it happens, but it's possible. I mean, uh, I think Microsoft did a study and, and what happens is that three to four minutes every week this happens but people don't notice it so it's it's going to happen for three or four minutes per week they're not going to know it yeah uh let's see what else we got here that, to talk about so it adds so now i've got now i'm using two different uh virtual servers to handle that load yeah and i've got up to five well you got up to five right that's what it comes with but you can have as many as you need if, if your resources cover all five the intelligent load balancer will, will create six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It just continues adding resources. It does. So what else happens then, though, is let's say you you have a global company, right? And all these people are are online in, in Europe and it's going to be 830 in the morning here and you're going to have 300 more people sign on to Business Central. OK, so that influx of people at that point might create a strain on your actual overall Azure database. So what happens then is Microsoft monitors your Azure database and increases the size of the Azure database uh, to allow for the computer and everything to work with it in the actual database to work smoothly. It's it's you know it's it's really uh, I guess really technical and, and and hard to explain. Over. So I think, but to but to put it into more simplistic terms, what I'm yeah. hearing is. There's not a person sitting at Microsoft who's responsible for monitoring your company's use of Business Central online right. and redivvying up resources accordingly. That this is all happening in an automated fashion. Yes, completely automated. By the think, cloud. Right, and I think a misconception people used to have was, oh, uh, when Business Central first started, we think that we're in a cluster with 30 other organizations only, and when something happens, us and those only those 30 organizations are, are slowing down or whatnot. It, it's not like that. Your cluster is actually your five virtual machines, and that's that's what your cluster is. So uh, I guess bottom line is, right, that you don't have to worry about whether or not Business Central is able to handle a big business. From the numbers and what Microsoft is doing, it should not be a problem whatsoever. I think those I I am uh, I was impressed to see those numbers though even that that you shared, right? Yes. Like if you have over I think you said it was like one thousand. If you're if you're under these numbers, you should be good. Which was a thousand users, yeah. eight hundred or a million invoices, three million inventory, right? Whatever those numbers were, that that's those are right yeah. uh, published numbers that at least gives people. Yeah. A frame of reference, so we're not just saying, "Oh, are you big or are you medium size yeah. or large?" It actually, we now have, there's a frame of reference uh, yeah. to it. Now, with maybe potentially moving to the cloud, Jim, is that something you worried about? 
like speed and can Microsoft, you know, internet uptime or whatnot? Honestly, no. I mean, I would, I would be more concerned um, with my bandwidth than I would be with their bandwidth. Um, and that would be the bigger area that I would want to focus our attention on is it's, it's Microsoft. I mean, they have multiple data centers. Yeah. You know, all oh, over boy. the, you know, when I'm saying multiple, I mean, they've got more than <laughs> yeah. two. I mean, it's global. You know, they probably have two in the, you know, in the zip code. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, that's this, their scalability isn't a concern uh, of mine. It's mostly just the the bandwidth. And I think really, I mean, you know, we circle back to like the pandemic. I mean, the amount of at-home users and the amount of people coming in via a cloud-esque type of environment is really, you know, gone through the roof. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, all these people at home for lack of a better term, they're cloud users at this point yeah. in time. You know, they're with just a private cloud to their office. Same basic concept. So, I mean, I think Microsoft has a better infrastructure than I could ever build in. Yeah. So, I think it's looking at it from that point of view. I, I, I think their uptime, their uh, availability, their speed isn't going to be something that I would be worried about. Yeah, it's funny because, right, internet usage and or the loss of internet is kind of on par in my mind with the loss of, like, your electricity mm -hmm. doesn't happen that much anymore, right? But it's possible it can happen. So thankfully, there are plenty of backup resources that you can put in place. I mean, don't have everybody <laughs> on one line, have multiple ways of getting out to the internet. Yeah, I completely agree. So yeah, so uh, if you're looking for more information on this or just a, a review of some of these details, if you're listening in and you're like, wait, what were those numbers, yeah. right? Michael has posted a blog article mm -hmm. at solsys.com. Yeah, correct. Yeah, and I also plan on making a more uh, intuitive video, I guess, with, with some more graphics or whatnot to kind of make it simpler for people to understand. Yeah. I, know, I know it can be hard just, just hearing it. It was for me at first until I actually dove into it. So, right. Yep. All right, with that, that's going to bring us down to the uh, the closing of uh, Shot at Business Central and a Beer. So what I want to say is, well, before I guess we get into that, with, so with this being our last episode of the year, we obviously want to thank everybody for listening to us throughout the entire year and supporting us. Uh, over the past year, i got some numbers here, our followers have increased by 43%. Streams of our podcast have increased 21%. And we've actually added seven more countries than last year, bringing our total being into 70 countries. So not bad for a pretty uh, specific topic, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it just goes to show that there's a lot of passionate Business Central users out there. Uh, they've always said that, the you know, even Microsoft, you know, will tell you that, that, the, that the NAV, Navision, and now Business Central – the, the user community is one of the strongest. Yeah. And uh, I think that those numbers that you uh, just shared kind of reflect that. We actually even have, I don't know how it calculates this, but seven people where a shot at Business Central and a beer is their most listened to podcast. It is their favorite podcast. Wow. That, wow, that's impressive. That's, that, yeah, that, they, that kind of shocked me. <laughs> Are, are we three of those people? <laughs> Sadly to say, I guess I'm not one. I looked at a whole bunch of podcasts. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. 70, 70 countries and, and, and a lot more listeners, and that's great. Um, and I, I hope that people are getting value out of this. Uh, as much fun as we're having putting it together. Yeah, and we're thankful that Jim was able to join us again for a holiday podcast. So uh, thank you very much. We're going to look forward to having you here back next year. Uh, yeah, no, it's a great holiday tradition if we can get this uh, 
to be a regular uh, event. I'd love it. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, uh, what? Happy holidays, everybody. Merry Christmas. Whatever yeah, happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Yes. Yeah, happy New Year. As we end today's podcast, we want to give a big thank you to everyone who listens, shares this podcast, and leaves us reviews. You've taken a good amount of your time out of your day, and we truly appreciate it. Thanks again, and uh, don't be afraid to email us at marketing at solsyst.com with your tips for the podcast, or maybe you'd even like to be a guest during an episode.